For January 16th, 2023, it's the Overthinking It podcast, episode 759, A Gelatinous Kerfuffle. Welcome to Overthinking It, where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny it probably doesn't deserve. The overthinkers are like your smart, funny, moot court on the internet, (laughs) where we tackle all the interesting legal questions um, that, uh, you know, that, uh, you know, do uh, that come up in the course of uh, playing all of our all of our favorite role playing games. We, We teach the controversy is. You know, is what we do on this, uh, on this, uh, on this show. Uh, I'm Matt Rather. I am, uh, joined by our, our good friend Ben Adams is with us. Ben, welcome back to the show. It's so great to have you. Hello, Matt. It's good to be back on the show. Ben is coming, uh, coming at us from Japan. Uh, so, uh, thank you for staying up late or getting up early in order to record, uh, record with us. We love, uh, uh we love that, that you're here, especially because as a lawyer, you have some particular expertise in our topic today. I, I do have this very particular set of skills. Law and, and the other topics we're going to be talking about are, are right in my wheelhouse. So Got it. I am ready. It's, and it's not that you're going to find me and you're going to kill me, right? That's, that's not the particular set of skills that we're talking about. No, that, I, that, that is, that is, that is not the particular set of skills. Got it. Uh, but someone, uh, but, uh, someone who could find me and kill me, it's Peter Fence. No, I'm not. It's, uh, Pete, my opposing counsel, I should say. It's, <laughs> it's, it's probably more in keeping with the, with the role playing that we're doing. I would never, I wouldn't go find you and kill you. My incentives and your incentives are aligned. There's no reason for me to find you and kill you. <laughs> oh, good. Uh, yeah. Even if I could, even if I could, even if I sort of reassured you frequently that I was capable of doing it in writing, I still wouldn't do it. <laughs> It. Look, finding our incentives are aligned. Finding you he, and killing he you. He doesn't need you to roll for deception on that. <laughs> <laughs> finding you and killing you never crossed my mind. Yeah. Uh, it it never. We never even thought uh, of that. Um, or stealing all of your your intellectual property. So apparently there has been a kerfuffle. Um, <laughs> A gelatinous kerfuffle in the, uh, in the role playing world, uh, specifically in D and D, um, which, you know, I, I watch, uh, I sort of Pete is my window into this. And I understand it has something to do with the way that third party content, uh, for D and D is, uh, or will be, uh, will be licensed. How, how people can use the various, you know, kinds of IP that, Oh, I don't, yeah, it was a company called TSR when I was a kid, but now it's, now it's what Wizards of the Coast, which is owned by Hasbro. So how, how this giant corporation is crushing the life out of the, uh, out of the community. I don't even know. I'm exaggerating it. Pete, can you teach the controversy? Can you give a, 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 a little, um, you know, a little window into what's going on, a little summary of what has happened recently and uh, why why gamers are spilling their Jolt Cola all about. I'm sorry, I shouldn't make even even <laughs> Jolt even Cola. What is this? You know what I mean? no, it's all it's Jolt La Croix. They're drinking five hour energy. OK, yeah, exactly. you know what? Brush yeah, the barbecue monster. Brush the is barbecue potato chips out of your okay. neck beard and nope. uh, tell me what's going on in this. I resent uh, that. <laughs> 
a COVID beer, not a neck beer. I'm, I'm marooned. I didn't even my lack of you. self-care was, comes entirely from my circumstances. It was about uh, it was about gamers. I was I was making fun of gamers. Yep. I'm sorry, but Pete, uh, right. off you uh, off you go. Please tell us so what what a, even is this going is not, on. This is not the brief history of D and D, but here's a brief history of D and D. Right. So there's a company that makes third party supplements for Avalon Games, like the company that made like I think Axis and Allies, a bunch of war games. One of the there's a guy who then makes a third party supplement for one of that company's games. That is what becomes Dungeons and Dragons when it gets picked up by a third party distributor. Like there's then a legal argument within that distributor over who owns it. Right? They then change the name to squeeze somebody out. Uh, they 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 uh, go to a bunch of litigation against anybody doing anything similar. Right? So there's a lot of argument about who owns this idea uh, over the course of the subsequent years as the leadership is forced in and out and changed. Uh, this company proliferates and, and creates a ton of adventures for Dungeons and Dragons, this role-playing game where you and your friends get together and fight monsters uh, and pretend to be pretend to be fantastical beings and whatnot and fight monsters. And uh, and they and they produce so many of these adventures that they cannibalize their own market and they are unable to stay profitable and they go basically go out of business like twice right like they they have they split up they get acquired there's another company that makes an add-on it's it's a it's a it's a game that's designed to be played while you're playing dungeons and dragons during your wait time between role-playing games that game is magic the gathering the company that made magic the gathering buys the company that bought the company that reformed from the company that hired the guy that worked for the third party that worked for the third party all the way back to the beginning so it's a long stretch of complicated legal legal arrangements after the company made magic cards wizards of the coast bought dungeons and dragons shortly thereafter they issued a thing that was called the ogl right and the ogl the the open gaming license basically tried to get rid of a lot of this confusion and litigation and arguing over who could and couldn't make third party this or that about whoever and it said that uh, anybody could make within certain constraints third-party content, royalty-free, non-exclusive rights. Uh, you know, you get to use it forever you want for Dungeons and Dragons, provided they didn't use the actual Dungeons and Dragons, like intellectual property trademarks and stuff. So the combination of the copyright expressions and the trademarks, like the Beholders or Bigby or Mordenkainen, as long as you called it like a tiny hut and not Liaman's tiny hut, right? Then you could you could you could do whatever you want to make third-party stuff to support D and D, involve D and D, derive from D and D. It's all good. Right. And then the notion behind this is like it's perpetual. Right. This is an agreement that's perpetual. And in the agreement is like if we ever come up with a new agreement, you can always use an old version of the agreement is some of the language in the agreement. Right. Uh, and this leads to like a big explosion of people making third party stuff for D&D with shockingly little litigation about it for a long period of time. So this is like the year 2000. And uh, and then Dun and then uh, Wizards of the Coast does try to come up with the new editions of Dungeons and Dragons, where they kind of don't want to do this anymore, and they issue a new license to kind of say, hey, you know, uh, we kind of want to do everything on the internet now, and we kind of want to own more of this stuff, and this is a different game now, so you can't do it about this system of Dungeons and Dragons, right? And so. Um, people didn't like that system of Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> so they liked the older one. And and uh, this was for a variety of reasons. And so all the third parties kept making the old stuff under the license they already had that was supposedly perpetual. That's a that's a little hint. And uh, and the new and so that you had vi you had totally different companies 
making sort of shadow parallel versions of Dungeons and Dragons, one of the, the biggest one called Pathfinder, that was running concurrently to Dungeons and Dragons and was sometimes outselling it uh, during that period in which Dungeons and Dragons was on the rocks. To fix this, Dungeons and Dragons, when they came out, Wizards came out with a new edition, fifth edition. This is like the 2010s. They do a lot of research and they try to make the one edition that's going to bring everybody together again. Uh, they make a bunch of changes to how the game works and they reissue a new, uh, they reissue, put it all under the open gaming license. Anybody can make third party content for this thing, right? Um, uh, we're not going to try to control it. And, and it's back under this sort of perpetual open, um, uh, uh, non exclusive license for you to make your own stuff. Uh, related to this version of the game due to streaming and stranger things and all of the podcasts and other stuff that's going on as well as the this version of the game being pretty accessible for new people and the kind of new dynamics of being able to meet people online and share your hobbies this version of dungeons and dragons takes off like no other version had ever taken off before becomes tremendously popular and through things like kickstarter and patreon uh, and, and as well as through the companies that already existed and the whole sort of startup culture, there is a huge proliferation of third-party content for Dungeons & Dragons that's made during this time, as well as the old Pathfinder stuff based on the old OGL, which is still going. And 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 this company that made it, this sort of parallel version of Dungeons & Dragons called Paizo, which is like not a big company. You know, it's it's like it's like, you know, maybe a couple hundred employees tops, you know, maybe like eight figures of revenue relative to Wizards, like a bazillion, a billion in revenue and whatnot over that. But the point being that, like, there's a lot of people around who've been making Dungeons and Dragons related content, you know, streamers, YouTubers, but also people making game supplements, all sorts of stuff. And now they're getting ready. Wizards get ready to make a new edition. Bobby Brown's in town. New edition is coming, right? One D and D is what they're calling it. There's this, there's this uh, idea that it's gonna, they're gonna make things digital. They're going to tr put it all in a virtual tabletop. They're going to try to make it so that you could play D and D without having to carry on the books you played on your phone wherever you go. It's integrated with everything you do, you know. And like, uh, it, there's an ecosystem, right? Like, they're really trying to get this, this sort of get it all together into one spot. Uh, and in that vision, there's not really room to like buy a whole bunch of third party supplements. Maybe. I don't know. We can we can talk about what the intent of it is. But the point is, and hopefully I'm doing this fast enough, that they they issued in December. So like not long ago, they sent out to certain third parties. I think the only one I know confirmed that had a copy of it was Kickstarter. Uh but there are other people who know more about this. There's a hundred YouTube channels talking about it. There's all sorts of message boards talking about it. But they send out to people who are involved with the sales of third-party related Dungeons & Dragons stuff this draft version of the new gaming license for the new edition, which is much more restrictive than the old edition and which includes things like dates in it that would suggest that like, if you don't sign this in the next two weeks – we're going to shut you down, <laughs> right? So it's like, there's this like, that's how it reads, right? It's got dates in it. It's got like very large demands for royalties in it. You know, 25% of gross royalties over $750,000, which for any company of, of any size is like a lot of their money. I mean, the profit margins are not that big in this business of printing and, and, and distributing books. Although I guess the PDFs change that stuff and whatever. But the point is that they... They didn't even tell their own employees, according to the leaks that have been going around. All, like a certain small group of people within the company, presumably involving the legal department, sent this legal document around to a bunch of people. And they say it's a draft. 
other people say that it, it was a, set with a signed contract uh, and was under a, a sort of time pressure, right, to, to sign right now. Um, that would basically like give up a lot of what was expected from the open gaming licenses of the past. And we can talk about the specifics of it, but the uh, the, the the worst case scenario is like. You know, we can try, we we can take your work and sell it ourselves, and there's nothing you can do about it. You have to give us all your money. Um, you know, you can possibly cut a deal with us on the side, but we're going to basically control the terms of it. Um, and uh, and and um, you know, it's just it's it's the open gaming side of it just doesn't feel like it's something that's going to exist anymore. Uh, from from I was first impression upon reading this thing. Now you would think that like, oh man, it's another licensing agreement. This stinks. They're just gonna. The whole thing's gonna, just gonna get ruined, and Wizards is going to like be in control of everything now. Um, but because Wizards sent this out in December, right before the holidays, uh, and didn't tell any of their employees about it, as far as we can tell, uh, there's nobody at Wizards who's able to comment on this thing. <laughs> and so there is a almost a full month where all of the press about this, you know, contract that went out or this, this draft legal document, this new license that went out, it's all been coming from people who hate it. Right. So like every single person on the internet who has any reason at all to not want to have a restricted gaming license with wizards of the coast has been cranking material on this. And also anybody who makes any sort of dungeon dragons, YouTube channel that might profit, you know, from the algorithm for being a little bit more angry, right. Has also been pushing out tons of stuff on this. Yeah, this Pete, is the big I, thing everyone's talking about. I got to I got to tell you you sent me some video to watch about this and ever since you did youtube thinks i am on like red pill dungeons and dragons <laughs> except like yes. except it's it's a it's a medieval role-playing game so like it's red elixir you know <laughs> dungeons and dragons yeah. youtube and it is for a for a beautiful and diverse group of of nonconformists man the fringes of gamer <laughs> culture are uh are something are something to behold and it's getting it's getting recommended it's getting recommended oh, yeah. to me a lot this this uh uh, this, you know, a controversial thing. Everyone's mad. Everyone's shouting. Everyone's, yes. everyone's, uh, avatar, everyone's like, uh, thumbnail link is a really angry face over some kinds of like swords and sorcery background. Oh yeah, totally. And so like, there's a couple different angles on which you could talk about this subject. And of course, many people are talking about it online already. Um, I'm glad we brought an attorney because there's certainly a legal dimension of it. But I mean, before I, I let go of the summary, I mean, I guess I would say eventually a part of Wizards did respond with a statement that was like, I think, pretty bad in terms of how it addressed what was going on. Uh, bad in terms of like it was a bad public statement and and a transparently bad public statement, yep. um, which further reflected the idea that um I don't know I have a saying that because I've done a lot of work like this and I'm not going to talk about my work on it but I knew about the field on like, the I open know gaming how, license you're not going to talk about your work no, on the open no, gaming license sensitive press releases for large co companies <laughs> like like press releases and crisis communications for corporations uh, or for companies that are dealing with like big problems that are happening right I've done a bunch of that stuff and I will say that like you can really tell when a communication was so important that they didn't show it to any of the people who would understand it <laughs> right like <laughs> when it's like you know. 
we can't let so-and-so in product see this. There's no way they're going to let us release it and we have to release it, right? Because <laughs> someone told us that we have to. And so like, um, you know, you see a statement come out and it's like the first thing the statement does is say like, this is about, you know, preventing racism. And it's like, oh, come on, man. <laughs> like, come on. Like, I know you want to put that first because you want to spin it positively, but like, come on. You know, like there's, this is a dispute over a complex dispute over licensing agreements that are decades old that are related to a conflict that is twice as many decades old as to who owns this sort of folk tradition hobby. Um, and, but at any rate, the so main I, gist is like, yeah, yeah the legal I, problems. There's also like the PR issue, like what happened with the PR, what went wrong, what, what would have been a better way to handle this sort of thing. And also like, what's the, what is the sort of, uh, discourse happening what's going on in this vacuum where where this corporation just drops this bomb and then the community i, I kind of want to put this the quotes around the concept of the community because mm-hmm. it's a concept that's used a lot in online discourse and also in real life and and i don't know if you guys have been part of the community but it often isn't representative of like the large number of people that are involved in a particular pursuit sometimes it is sometimes it isn't right um it's 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 mysterious because you only have you you only need a small piece of the community oriented in any one spot at any given time to make it look like it's everybody right um okay and I'm so sure most people so, don't even care but anyway well, people on the so, internet are angry because yeah, okay got it that well that's well, I, that's I, self-evident I, oh sorry i, think ben, I can explain the because yeah good. okay okay because let's, let's, the, 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 the attorney will pass it to the, the attorney now absolutely well, this is legal the, advice this is not a legal opinion this is right. does not like create an attorney client relationship between you no. and our thought bubble mascot ben please tell us he is however your dungeon master for the next 25 <laughs> <years>. <laughs> is this yeah. i mean is this the biggest <laughs> kerfuffle over leaked legal work product in 2022 uh no I not mean, even close not even close <laughs> 23 so far yeah 2023 so far yeah but uh, it was so leaked in 20 it was leaked in 2022 sorry i guess i shouldn't make jokes about the leak of the Dobbs decision but that's uh you know <laughs> but uh yeah that that was even worse but uh yes okay what 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 even is going on ben with this this leak legal work product here well, I mean, I have a theory, and this is the the opposite side of the coin of the press release that wasn't read by you know key people in the company. This controversy feels to me like Wizards paid some very high priced lawyers to come up with a very aggressive licensing agreement, because this sort of like licensing agreement would be utterly unremarkable coming from ninety nine percent of companies that produce IP. Right. Like this is softball compared to Disney or, you know, any other company that that creates, you know, creative works for a living. And so this is a legal department that says, oh, we know how to write a royalty provision. We know how to write a license back provision that gives us the right to use your content however we want. Like, that's what we're optimized for. Here you go. Uh, And then nobody kind of ran. And so now legal stuff has been done to it. Uh, right, legal the legal things have occurred, and the company says, "Okay, great, let's send this out." Right, because the lawyers looked at it; it must be fine, um, without actually maybe thinking about that other people in the company might have opinions about you know how this is going to affect the business's bottom line. Um, like this, so in my day job as a attorney for the Navy, like this comes up a lot, and this is something like there there are dueling not dueling factions, but like is trained a lot that like. The lawyers in the military sometimes have to remind that the military doesn't exist to please the lawyers. 
right? That, like, <laughs> the goal of the institution is not to minimize legal risk at all times, right? Sometimes the mission has to be accomplished, and sometimes the lawyers have to figure out ways of doing that, right? So the the driving force should not have been, what's the way to maximize our legal rights over this content? Probably should have thought about some other things, like PR and the community, in scare quotes. <laughs> sure. Uh, well, rather that... than just, like, pay a bunch of thousand-dollar-an-hour lawyers to come up with a good you know, license back. Provision. That's exactly right. Like Ben, I can't, I, you, you would not believe the number of times working in startups where the, the advice from our general counsel about uh, how to operate the business has basically been, do not operate your business. <laughs> like, like essentially saying there's no, there's no safe way to do the, to do the, to do the thing. And that's, yeah. I mean, the lawyer's, the lawyers got off the chain. I I do agree that as a, you know, as a person who like had some exposure to entertainment earlier in my career, I didn't see what everyone was so mad about because it seemed exceptionally, uh, it seemed exceptionally generous to me. But I I guess I don't even really understand what what and how this would apply to, right? Because like. I don't know. There are t- there are there are different kinds of intellectual property protections that cover different sort of uh, different sort of things. And like what you know, the the ecosystem is so large and includes like podcasts of, and streaming of people playing a. Uh, you know, playing this role playing game, playing D and D online, but they're generally probably playing a campaign that was written by a third party, right? So then there's there's the there's the business of like performance of people playing the game, but then there's the business of writing, you know, modules that fit the rules and fit the the like the world, you know, of this uh of this game. And like I I I can't go write like Star Trek novelizations, you know, I can't like go and, and do, uh, so like the, the fact that you can do it at all, it seems to me is already extremely, uh, you know, lax in terms of what, uh, in, in terms of, of what it, what it allows. I don't know. Does it, I mean, were there uh Microsoft word track changes turned on in this document so that you could see the history and the comments from the, uh, you know, from the lawyers in order, in order to, to do this? It'll probably look like Ezra Pound's additions uh, to the wasteland. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just, just crossed like, out, just slash and burn <laughs> all of T.S. Eliot's, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's it's tricky, right? Because of the whole thing where the process of playing the game isn't actually the intellectual property. It's the expression of the process of playing the game. And so if you kind of paraphrase things, one of the other developments is that there have been multiple other systems that have been put out there or proposed by third parties that say they're working on them to get around this license. One is just, I think, just to copy, replace all the words into different words and just say, like, we're not using any of your expression. Like, uh, uh, I think the nickname for that is Project Black Flag, where they're basically like, we're just going to pirate your game system because you can't you can't copyright the or the uh, the the process of playing the game. You can only copyright the words that you use to refer to it. And then the other one is like, let's create an open source nonprofit that manages you know, rules for a variety of tabletop role-playing game systems so that there's always confidence that the rules that you're using to do your third-party development are free and available to you. 
um, and, and then nobody's going to come sneaking around. Uh, but yeah, it is. It is weird, right? It's it's weird because there's also like, oh, there are official worlds that Wizards owns, right? Right. Um, you can't make like a. Well, I, I don't even know what realms. it is anymore. Forgotten Forgotten, realms. Yeah, I was about to say that's when when yeah. I was a teenager. It was forgotten. Dragonlance just came back. They just brought back Dragonlance. Oh, really? But they like, brought back Dragonlance without the creators of Dragonlance. I think who were deemed too uh, problematic to fully involve with it. I, I suspect I didn't do my research on that one, but like, uh, but yeah, Dragonlance is back, you know, all the stuff that they've been doing, you know, uh, I had like forgotten books. realms, forgotten realms, video games and novels and, and mm-hmm. whatnot. When I was, uh, you know, when I was a teenager, ironically um, named since you remember them so many years later, uh, <laughs> they're the remembered realms. Now they were forgotten at the time. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm a dad now. I make terrible. <laughs> it's, it's, it's abysmal. It's abysmal all around. But like, so, I mean, I don't know, but that's, I'm, I'm talking speculatively about legal aspects of it. I mean, Ben, you're not an intellectual property lawyer, but I mean, you're a lawyer for boats. So, um, <laughs> 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 well, the people that, uh, you know, drive those things. Oh yeah, uh, there you go. There you go. There you so, go. yeah, but, and it's without getting too much into, cause you did, you did a good top level survey. I mean, I think what's really going on with a lot of this, uh, kind of backlash to this is you did have this extraordinarily open, easy to understand, easy to make sure for the amateur that you were on the right side of this, the original open gaming license, right? Everybody could be very confident that they were doing the right thing. If they were making Dungeons and Dragons related content, as long as they weren't like just making Strahd, right. Or, you know, Eberron or whatever, like, you know, a name, a named character from the Wizards of the Coast stuff. Uh, that you could be pretty confident that you were on the right side of things. And I think the perception was under this new license, now we're in uncharted territory and I'm going to be scared of any little thing that I do to create third-party content. And I'm already operating at a razor thin margin or, and let's be honest for most people, it's a hobby, yeah. right? Like maybe, maybe you make a little bit of money, but for, I, I suspect based on my, you know, dipping into D and D content, like the vast majority of people that are making this, it is at at most a side gig. And for many people, it's really just like a hobby that probably nets them, you know, a few hundred bucks a year. And so the margin for legal risk is zero, right? Like if, if you have any chance of getting sued because you made a thing that you sold to a hundred people online for a dollar each, then you can't make the thing anymore. Right. And so I think for a lot of people, that's the problem is that the, well, I think the worst, the, the risk, the perceived risk. And of course, the, 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 the backlash itself fed the perception that there was a legal risk when there probably wasn't that big of a change for most people, uh, with, with one exception that maybe I could talk about, or I don't know if you guys want to kind of comment on, on that no, I, in general. There's, I absolutely do want to comment on it. Cause I think you're totally, I think you're totally right there. Right. Like it's not only because like the, the, the license seems to refer to very specific to, you know, to very specific things. And as long as you're not using those things, like you can't, can't copyright a, uh, like a process, like the, the set of rules, you know, if you're, you're compatible with, with Dungeons and Dragons, it's, you know, you're, you're, you're probably fine. Um, you, you have no deep pockets, so no one's going to sue you for anything but stopping doing what you're doing. But I, I think there's, I think there's something else which is even more, you know, uh, 
sort of would it would hurt even a little more than than you know being sued for for the millions of dollars which is not going to happen because you don't have millions of dollars from your dungeons and dragons content which is that you know uh, along the lines of the 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 old saw that that academic politics are so vicious because the the stakes are so low you know because the monetary rewards for engaging in a hobby are are so low, right? And bragging rights is all you have. The, the thought that like, you know, this big, this big company or like a, a you know, a, a fantasized as big type of company is going to come in and own my, you know, third party campaign or yeah. something like that. That, that, that they're going to like take my precious baby away from me. Like that's, uh, in a lot of ways worse than uh, the threat that you're, you know, that you're going to suffer some kind of like monetary damages, um, some kind of monetary damages here, because like in an environment where bragging rights, you know, are the currency, uh, taking that away from you is, uh, you know, is, is if anything worse than what the, um, than, you know, whatever the, the financial consequences would have been. That's that, that's exactly what I was gonna say. I think is the the provision that probably scares the should scare like the little creator the most in the the leaked version that is apparently now gonna get changed is that license back provision because yeah there's a small chance but like people put a lot of work into you know creating homebrew magic items or homebrew subclasses and I'm sure it is many people's right. It's like the the whole the old saw about you know every American is an embarrassed millionaire, right? Like every home brewer is just a temporarily embarrassed you know official content writer. They don't want their stuff appearing in an official book, and they not get the credit, right? Like most homebrew creators would be more than happy to have wizards print their stuff in a wizard's book for almost no money, but they wouldn't want it to just open up a book and there's their magic item with no credit given. Right. Like yeah. that is, I think what is on a lot of people's minds when they're, they're really getting down to this stuff. Right. See, the, I, the cloud of overthinking plus seven, you know, is not, uh, is not ever, you know, we, yeah, you can't steal that from me. Uh, Hasbro wizards. So it is, it's interesting because there is at this point a mid tier and I'm including Paizo even in the mid tier of companies that do make, let's say over a million dollars a year. Uh, making third-party Dungeons and Dragons stuff that, but at the same time, you know, gross, not net. Right? I'm not necessarily talking about profits, right. um, which are bigger than hobbyists, and it's and it may employ a bunch of people. But I do th- wonder. I do wonder whether Wizards wasn't even so. So okay. So when Wizards issues this statement, of course, the, not issues statement sends out the document without even so much as a public acknowledgement, or as far as we could tell, t- telling their own employees and. You know, I can cite the specific YouTube channels that spread the rumors, but it feels like that ends an air of authoritativeness to this is undeserved. Right. But suffice to say that I've heard rumors that none of the employees that work in product were told of any of this uh, before this this agreement was sent out to people. Now, Wizards claimed in their statement that they were doing this to prevent large major corporations from, you know, making copies of the game. Right. Um and this rings false. This sort of this rings sort of like eighty twenty false to people because there are companies that make millions of dollars off of Dungeons and Dragons that aren't Wizards of the Coast, but they're making millions of dollars. And and that's not that a major corporation doesn't make millions of dollars. And Applebee's makes millions of dollars. Like, <laughs> and most, right. And and most of those companies, let's face it, are almost certainly net profit for Wizards. Yeah. Like, exactly. Like yeah. The, at yeah. the end of the day, like you know. 
critical role makes a large amounts of money, huge amounts of money from Dungeons and Dragons. Dungeons and Dragons makes more money from critical role than critical role does. Yeah. So it is it is possible that they're thinking about the possibility of like Disney is going to come out with a Mickey Mouse Dungeons and Dragons game and they're just going to copy the SRD, right? The systems reference document and all the rules and all the documentation from the open license Dungeons and Dragons game and and Wizards isn't going to be able to do anything about it. It's possible that there's some lawyer who thinks that that's the problem. Heck, it's even possible that somebody in Wizards knows that something like that is happening, but nothing along those lines is even on a blip on the radar for like the people who play Dungeons and Dragons or the people who watch YouTube channels about Dungeons and Dragons or make YouTube channels about Dungeons and Dragons. So like I, so so when they say oh it's a major corporation and it's like they, they oh yeah sure you know M- mcdm you know mac mac colville dungeon masters uh, arcadia magazine had like a custom class in it and like they had a kickstarter that made a million dollars in 2021 right like you know oh man sticks you know <laughs> rise up you have nothing to lose but your chains right like uh, you know you need to burn it all to the ground these major corporations that are doing these things um and of course coming from hasbro which is the major corporation in all this but but i do wonder it just i hate to be i hate the the whole idea of conspiracy theory thinking but the but the way that the document was sent out i mean we've talked about a couple of different kind of intellectual modernist traditions (laughs) in the past few weeks and one of them is this idea of sort of the apparent truth versus you know the revealed truth you know the idea that like People have to get used to the idea that the thing that they think is the way things are isn't, and that there's a secret explanation behind it that only a specialist or someone in the know can explain to you that explains, like, what's going on. So, like, it's no longer like, oh, you have a fever. Here, put this cold thing on your face. Or, like, oh, you have a headache. Put this drill into your skull. It's like, oh, you see you have a headache. There are these microscopic things called germs that you're never going to see, and a bunch of them are now living in these channels in your face that you don't know exist, right? Like, and, like— that's the sort of way that modern people live is this 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 gap between the apparent reality they experience and the way that they're constantly being told things work and that this the this experience this sort of dynamic that they live in is highly susceptible to like you know just making up nonsense <laughs> and like throwing nonsense into it right like oh yeah you know like uh your problem is that there are these mini gremlins that are in the toxins that you get in the lunch meat and these guys are are they're hurting your testosterone levels that's really what it is right um and it's so there's not necessarily an evidentiary basis for discerning the true things from the false things um and this is just such a perfect storm for that because they just they only released the hidden message, right? Like, like they all, they released like a coded hidden message that maybe stated what they were thinking. Right. But that like speaks to a hidden truth that only they know and that they're not revealing. Right. And it's sending well, I mean, this, all of the, <laughs> this is all of politics of the last six years going on. Yeah. Seven. Yeah. Of yeah, yeah. Anything that comes out that is perceived to have been a secret is per se scandalous. And anything that happens in the open is per se legitimate right so like if they had posted this on their website in december and said dear dungeons and dragons community we're considering revising the open gaming license here's our current draft please use this web form and submit your feedback yeah which they, they were doing that whole other parts right. of the whole system yeah. please right. please it, turn it, on it, track it, changes in microsoft exactly, Word. exactly the same document yeah there'd be there'd be people upset and there'd be oh, like yeah. desultory you know, write in campaigns to try to fix this and that, but it wouldn't be a scandal. 
right? It's only because of the way it came out that it, and of course, like a company's under no obligation to do that, right? To like solicit feedback about the legal documents they're drafting for the, for the products they own. Uh, but because it was quote unquote leaked, it is perceived as a conspiracy, right? And we see that, you know, again, political scandals, right? It's the same thing where stuff that is every day, I, like I just saw there was a Fox News thing about, it was a, it was pitched not as a leak, but as like a just revealed that Pete Buttigieg uh, was not taking phone calls during his paternity leave. Uh, right, which is just another way of describing paternity leave. Paternity leave. Paternity leave. <laughs> like that is, but because it was pitched as like this was what insiders were revealing about his time on paternity leave, this was somehow scandalous. Um, you know, right? And of course, that has there are other reasons why Fox News thinks that that is scandalous. But like nonetheless, like the way that that was pitched was as some sort of like leak or insider scandal, and not just like a normal way of describing the thing that occurred in real life. Yeah. Put, uh, Pete Buttigieg is obviously not taking his powder powders to control his testosterone. You know what I mean? I really hope that it's like, that this is Putin. That he's just like, he's just throwing stuff at the wall. He's like, what can we throw the troll farms at now? Oh man. The, the, all the bombing, the new, the Orthodox new year bombings didn't go over well. And I don't know why. <laughs> like, there, oh there, man. No, there's some, there's some Russian deep plant mole <laughs> That went off the grid, got a job at Wizards. Putin <laughs> called him and was like, "Listen, you owe us one. You need to create some cultural churn. I don't care how you do it." And he's like, "No, Phyrexia All R One is coming out next month. You gotta just—it's my big product launch. Like, please, <laughs> please let me stay in the, in the undercover for just a little while longer. I want to play the limited environment. Uh, I'm into dual masters now." Or like, oh, sorry, uh, five years ago I left. I worked for Beyblade. I make Paw Patrol stuff. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah. That, I mean, because the online consonants, like the, the sort of the, the, the rich cord of the coordinated thumbnails and the like, and also the, the, the power and potency of the quote unquote the algorithm, right? The greatest, uh, you know, apparent, the greatest modern double double standard of apparent versus real truth that we all encounter on a daily basis is like this algorithm that is supposedly making decisions about everything. I don't know whether I'm getting like 10 new channels angry about the OGL 1.1 in my recommended every time I open YouTube because everybody who is watching any YouTube videos about this is watching a hundred of them. And so like the algorithm is like, yes, like this is exactly what YouTube was designed to do. I want to crank into this person's veins as much of this content as I can. This is like what I have. This is what I was born for. Like, or whether someone's paying for it, I don't know. Right. Is, is it, I mean, you could even say like, well, if you're uh, an indie game company and this represents like your entire profit margin, like maybe you sink like a whole bunch of money into promoting these YouTube videos that, that are like politically against this uh, license that might potentially, you know, eat up your profit margin. Or maybe Disney really is going to come out with like, uh, you know, a Looney Tunes RPG in the style of one D and D using the SRD. I mean, you know, that's, like, you know, that's, that's incredible. HBO, sorry. HBO would come out. Oh, with with, with Looney Tunes, yeah, but D- Disney's yeah. would be the like the Merry Melodies, you know, right? Like uh, uh, <laughs> the Muppets, the, the Muppets, Kermit yeah, exactly. the, Frog, the RPG, 
Which uh, we need to just do if it doesn't exist. Th- this is Iger's. This is like his big strategy for coming back. This is how he's <laughs> yes. gonna. Yes, say- Bob Iger. The whole time Bob Iger was away from from Disney, he was involved in a really intense D and D campaign. <laughs> and he's like, "Oh man, I'm a ranger. I got two two scimitars. I ride a panther. I'm real edgy, right?" Like, and I'm gonna Actually, come back did, and I'm like, I, guys. T- TBH Disney does something with gaming is on my bingo card for 2023, but okay. it's I, I I would I would put Roblox higher than than D and D is probably the the oh right? Disney, you think Disney is coming out with a Roblox killer or something like that or so or yeah. I mean I, you know what is Bob Iger acquires things like uh, acquire, oh, wow. acquire Roblox right like uh, I don't know as a as a as a pure play like entertainment company like they they got to become a technology co- maybe they could buy Twitter actually you know what this this. <laughs> <laughs> this situation reminds me of Twitter a lot and not the current uh uh cluster poop of uh of you know whatever is or isn't going on with Twitter which is actually a masterclass in in uh, apparent versus actual reality. Actually, I feel like life in uh in since 2016 at least is a masterclass in apparent versus versus actual reality, right? Like uh you know, what is goop? But uh but uh you know, uh, apparent reality is as as applied to to you know health and wellness and fitness and things like this. What is? I, I mean, yeah, continue to actually. I, well, yeah, okay. Um, the uh, the uh, the thing that happened with Twitter early on. Right before any of this, before any of this nonsense, actually before it it even really blew up to the level that it is in the discourse um, now, is that the company originally had like open APIs for for uh, querying tweets, for querying your timeline, and you could you know authenticate uh, with Twitter, and then like this other app, this non Twitter provided Twitter app, could show you your tweets, right? And that's that's like that's something that's that was sort of cool at the time. It was, it was like, it was nice to, to see it was, it represented this, this development on how you access content, right? Like there's no other, there's no alternative way, uh, to read the New York Times other than to subscribe to the New York Times, um, until there was. And like they started publishing RSS feeds of their, their, uh, their articles. And, and this was all, you know, this was all kind of part and parcel of the same kind of web, web 2.0 thing. There was not any other like, uh, and this was not, uh, common among all of these companies. Like Facebook never had any other way of accessing your Facebook feed other than, than logging into, to Facebook. So like th- this was really cool. And what they realized was that all of these companies were making money selling Twitter uh, clients. Um, I, you know, my favorite one was called Tweetbot. Uh, and it had a, uh, you know, UI design philosophy that I, that I liked and made it kind of easy and fun to, to read Twitter at the time. And, and so they like drastically started limiting the number of licenses, the number of API tokens that people could get for these, uh, for these, um, third party clients and by and large killed the third party Twitter client market, you know, and, uh, it's, it is, it is interesting because it is, I, I don't know if it's a new kind of business or not. I can't think of a, of an analog before, um, I can't think of an analog before 
20, uh, you know, the 2000s of a business like this before the kind of web 2.0, uh, earlier proto social media age where the, the business is a platform on which you build other things. You know, and the idea that like the idea that that Twitter was going to be this platform on which you could you could build these other other layers of innovation in, you know, in these third party clients is um, sort of actually Roblox. Right. Like or uh, or sort of any of these uh, any of these kind of game design um, products. Minecraft is me is maybe like this. And like the idea that, you know, you're going to do this, you're going to engage a, you're going to engage a community and people are going to add to the value of your thing, or people are going to kind of do this user generated content thing where they use your basis in order to, um, in order to make, you know, further developments, uh, on that strikes me as a, you know, strikes me as a, a, you know, new problem. I can't think of any other thing in the history of, uh, in the history of humankind where someone has tried to revise, uh, you know, an earlier tradition, right? In order to, uh, you know, in order to make it new. Uh, I don't know who said make it new. Was that, uh, certainly no one we've talked about already on the, uh, uh no one we've talked about already on the podcast. No, I mean, there, there is, you know, I'm, I'm making a joke about like the anxiety of influence and I'm making a joke about, you know, revising, revising traditions, but as a, as a matter, as an intellectual property matter, so as something that has dollars and cents attached to it, that has like, you know, legal implications attached to it. I think we're not, we're not really, um, you know, clear on what the rights of people are in, in situations like this. And, uh, you know, that you can get kind of the rug pulled out from under you if if you're a Twitter client developer in in you know uh 2011 uh and you can get the rug pulled out from you if you write uh if you write you know third party campaign settings for uh Dungeons Dragons 5th 5th edition in in 2023 um though though it doesn't seem wise uh, as a matter of like, uh, as a matter of customer relations <laughs> to, to do this, uh, it, it is this, it's this n- new ish situation that we find ourselves in. Maybe. Um, I mean, it, it, there, there's a version of this that, that goes back, like has a long tradition, right? Like, you know, 50 years ago, it was the sub distributor of the parts manufacturer for the Ford assembly line. And they only make spark plugs that fit Ford cars. And so if Ford ever decides to change the standard of their, you know, spark plug di- distributor caps. Pete, I'm deliberately, you know, mangling uh, auto mechanics here to to make you. Don't upset. worry. So uh, so but, is Ford. You know, when no, you're three mind. when you're three rungs down the distributor chain, your part is probably only you have one customer. Right. Who has one customer who has one customer. And if the standard ever changes, your business collapses. Right. Mm-hmm. And this was like a very standard business arrangement for a very long time. Um, and that was kind of understood as like kind of it, it's a business. It's the business world. It's the jungle out there. Like tough breaks. Sorry, you probably should have figured out a better business model. What's different here. And I think you also see in like the Twitter drama and other things is you have kind of nonprofit communities that have built up around these corporations and edifices of business um, 
and it's not clear what those people's rights are. Like they, those people feel invested, right? If you've spent a huge amount of time building a homebrew community or a Twitter, you know, a open source Twitter client that you and like-minded people like, because it allows you to organize your information in a certain way, you know, sometimes people have put thousands of hours into these things uh, with little hope of profit, but at the very least hoping that they won't, have nothing at the end right because the the rug will be totally pulled out from underneath them but i think the the counter pressure is as these communities build up eventually somebody from mckinsey shows the ceo of the company a powerpoint slide <laughs> that says hey there are thousands of people out there making collectively millions of dollars on top of your platform and to quote Rod Blagojevich, I've got this thing and it's golden and I'm not giving it up for nothing, right? <laughs> like somebody has convinced them that they can make, they can skim some of the economic activity here. And so they go about doing it, right? And that's ultimately what happens is somebody tries to monetize this stuff and it kills these communities. So, so Ben, can I ask you a, a deep legal theory question? This is not so much a question of like legal doctrine, but of like legal theory. Um. I mean, I guess I should just do it and not ask permission because that's what Wizards of the Coast would want me to do in this situation, right? I have an open license on the podcast to ask you, questions. You, counsel, you may proceed. <laughs> okay. So I know that there are rules about this sort of thing when it comes to land, right? <laughs> like, I feel like there's, there's, there's like the old, the oldest way on the books to do this sort of thing is with property, like, like with people living on land. And it's like, oh, I, you live here? Guess what? Now you live here, but you also have to report to this king who's going to take taxes from you oh like you live here you know you previously had a relationship with the old king now you have a relationship with the duke right and this duke is going to change your tax structure and he's going to require that you can't leave your house and like here's the rules that go to your your about your life but so like but but even in terms of common law i know that something like at least notionally like leaving an area of conspicuous land right being like well there's this area of land here if you happened to settle in it like uh, you know, oops, right? And a bunch of people go live there and let's say they build like a little town and because they built a little town, you know, you happen to own the trading post at the edge of the town and you make a ton of money off of the fact that you that these people lived here and say they lived there for like 50 years. And then once they build the town, you're like, oh, by the way, I own all the land that the town is on. You all now live on my land and I own you. Like you wouldn't actually be allowed like, and I'm kicking you all out and I'm building a bunch of condos. Like, like you wouldn't be able to do that in, in a sort of legal concept of common law tradition, right? Like there are ideas right. associated the, with, uh, sorry, go so, ahead. Sure. So what's your, I mean, there's, there's like a bunch of different words for it. It's like squatters rights mm -hmm. is one of them. Adverse possession is like the extreme version of this. Yeah. And I know this isn't the legal doctrine we're talking about with intellectual property, right. but, but like but philosophically. The, all, Right. Philosophically, all of those get at what you, you typically in like a law lecture would ever put in the bucket of reliance interests, which is like the law is interested in, generally speaking, the law is interested in having rules that allow for people to put reliance in certain things. And if you as an actor in you know law, economy, whatever, do things that create reliance interests of for others, that others think that they can rely on you to continue doing whatever it is you're doing, then at a certain point, they're allowed to invoke legal rights as a result of that, even if they wouldn't otherwise, right? Adverse possession is the extreme version of this, where if I, if you, if I go and 
build a cabin on some land and you're the you're the technical legal owner of that land but you see me building your cabin you see me building my cabin and you let me build it and then i move my stuff in and i live there for a super long time and then someday you come along and say thanks for fixing up the cabin i appreciate that you've spent you know your golden years the last 20 years building this lovely handcrafted wooden cabin it's mine now i need you to leave right adverse possession that the whole idea is that at some point you had to speak up or lose your land because you induced a reliance interest um, for me. And then like something like squatters rights is just the basic humanity of like, if you've been living here for six months, you have stuff here. So at some point we can probably kick you out, but we're not going to like kick you out on the street overnight because that's just cruel, right? You have a reliance interest on this is my, this is where you live. This is what you call home. Um, you typically don't see it in something like this, like an intellectual property. Um, you do get into, I mean, this is getting down in the weeds. Like there, there are things called like promissory estoppel, which is just the basic legal idea that I can't promise that I'm going to do something, get you to rely on that promise and then pull the rug out and say, well, you're going to need to pay me a bunch of money now if you want me to, to keep doing what I was doing before. Um, and so all of this comes down to just the general legal principle of we are interested in reliance, interested in people being able to rely on certain bedrock principles, or at the very least that, you know, large things aren't going to change very rapidly in a way that, you know, devastates your business overnight. I yeah, wonder if this, I mean, it's uh, lawyers love analogies, right? Like it, it does seem to me, um, the, uh, that, uh, in trying to kind of, I, and the, the way that I have heard about it is in like the, the law around internet things. And, um, like the, the, all the, I, th- I think that there was, there was a, uh, there was a Supreme, a Supreme Court case where in an, in a legal opinion, the late Justice Scalia wrote something about like a tra, a, um, a, uh, surveillance technology, something like tra- uh, tracking, online tracking or like Lojack auto tracking or something, some such thing being like a tiny constable, a little miniature. Yes, con- that, that was a, that was a tracking device on a car. A low yes, jack. It was so like a low like jack or something. Little, yeah, it was like a low jack type thing. Yeah. Yes. And the the tiny constable. And I love that. I love the 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 metaphorical. I mean, I can I cannot love the man's jurisprudence and love the fecundity of his metaphorical imagination. The tiny constable, right? <laughs> you know, concealed uh, concealed within your car. And and I wonder if it's like I wonder if it's analogy time uh, a little bit because the it it does seem to you know fall between you know in kind of the interstices of like areas of ip that can that can get protected like you know patents protect certain things trademarks protect certain things copyright protects the uh certain things and and you know the the ability to um integrate with a system you know uh, it is uh, like, I, I wonder if it, if it isn't kind of like, you know, squat li- living on uh, co- uh, being a tenant, you know, or, uh, living on someone's land, squatting in a, squatting in a building, like being, uh, uh being a, yeah, uh, uh, an occupier of space, a physical space in, in a way that it's that, um, 
I, you know, IP law doesn't, doesn't cover it. it, it, Cause it was just like, I don't know. It was, I, I was a little confused about where exactly the controversy was because I think the, the license applies to this document. You called it the reference document, Pete. Is that, you know, the system reference document and the open gaming license, which is like a description. It's like a schematic description of the Dungeons and Dragons system, which is not the player handbook and not the dungeon master's guide and not the monstrous compendium and not that these are right. Like, so it's a, it's a description of a of a of a set of it's a different a, a, of abstract relationships right it's a it's a mathematical proof of some kind or it's a, a a description of a process or procedure or a description of a you know of a set of rules um and like it it as an amateur it wasn't totally clear to me what exactly was protected, what exactly is being used by third parties and what exactly is, uh, you know, is going to change if the, the license to this reference document, um, uh, you know, it changes from version one to version 1.1. Do you want me to give you like an example of how I use this? Sure. Yeah, so here's here's how this this like interacts with what I do on a weekly basis. I play in a Dungeons Dragons game. I've been playing in this game since or campaign since you can tell how serious I am about it. Since COVID started, basically before that, I was going to a bar and playing Adventurers League, which is the sort of official Wizards organized play system. Uh, and um, that bar is now gone, as like so many are, are gone. But I've been playing online, and we hired a dungeon master uh, who advertises services on the Roll20 platform. So this is a virtual tabletop. And me and a bunch of friends, some people I know from real life, uh, some people – well, some people I know from Dungeons & Dragons, some people I've never met have been involved in it here and there um, – and and some good and they, all of them are good friends now. But the point is that we play on this this system where it's a website that we all have up, and it has the, all the maps that our dungeon master has made and put into the system. It has the little tokens for each of our characters that each of us like picked a picture and sent it in. Right? Um, we probably don't own those pictures. In a lot of cases, we don't. Maybe we we uh, made up our own sometimes. A bunch of them, I'm sure, are made by AIs these days. Um, in the back end of this system, right? is the srd so and what and it, in this system it serves as what's called a compendium so there are character sheets and ways that we can uh set up our characters in this platform such that you can click on things to get it to roll the dice that you want it to roll rather than having to like remember and roll the dice yourself so it'll be like oh click on my my athletics check to check my athletics and it'll know my modifiers and it'll know the dice that it would use and it does all the calculations uh, for everybody to hypothetically speed things along and when i'm building my character i can pull abilities magical spells weapons and equipment proficiencies all sorts of stuff from the compendium which comes up as a searchable, like it's a search field. So I search for like magic missile, right, or whatever, and it will show up, and I can drag and drop magic missile into my character sheet, and then the it'll populate with the description of what the magic missile spell does. Stripped of any identifiable Wizards of the Coast, you know, intellectual property, like any proper names, any like reference to the Forgotten Realms or Ravenloft or anything, right? And so... Then Now, this will only work for things in the super basic version of the game. 
right? Like it doesn't include stuff that's from any of the expansions. And um, it definitely doesn't include the ton of homebrew stuff that my dungeon master has made for this campaign. Now I pay like $15, uh, like it's like $10 a session, $35 for four sessions to play this thing. So like, it would take a lot of time for this guy to make $750,000 off of his homebrew campaign of Dungeons and Dragons. And, and I don't, he has, a, he has a full-time job. I don't think this is something that he's doing, but, um, but I am paying money to this guy who is then adding his own stuff that is compatible with both the character sheets, which are derived from the process and the system and which probably can't be copywritten. And then also the SRD, which has been made available to the platform. And so there's a question one of the questions, like looking at this document, is, oh, is 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 are they going after my virtual tabletop because they want to have the only virtual tabletop, right? Like, is my campaign going to have to shut down because my virtual tabletop that I play on is a big enough business that they're going to have to pay these huge royalties to wizards because they use the SRD and they're going to like shut down support for fifth edition and our campaign is going to close? Like, I don't think that we really seriously think that that's imminently going to happen, but it's like percolating in the back of my mind about some of this stuff, right? Like, because the SRD is part of the system. So like in the new statement, they clarified that they're not trying to do this uh, to, to stop virtual tabletops from, from playing the game. Uh, I mean, they don't say that in so many words, but it's one of the things they mention in the statement that they're going to not be including in the future version of the OGL that they're going to come out with as they reconsider. Um, but yeah, but like I work, I play with a small homebrew campaign where the guy makes a little bit of money and that uses the system reference reference document, uh, in a sort of clunky interface that doesn't really work all that well in order to play the game online while we're talking on a zoom call or a discord channel or whatever happens to be working, uh, for everybody's connection in the given day. But there's right? like, like, so uh, like in that description, that description strikes me as being very complicated, <laughs> right? It is. Because well, like, yes. there's, and I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll throw another layer of complication on there because I think there, there are parts of the system reference document that, probably could be protected by copyright, but by mm-hmm. virtue of the open gaming license aren't. So for instance, like I, I pulled it up just because I was like trying to find a good example. Like it's talking about how you can be a wizard under the rules of Dungeons and Dragons, right? You can't copyright the concept of a wizard, right? That's a pre-existing idea. Do- Wizards of the Coast doesn't own it, right? And then a wizard can cast the spell Fireball when there are very specific rules for how many damage points that that spell does. Also, probably not copyrightable, right? Fireball is a generic concept, and the specific rules for how you calculate it is like a, more like a process, which Matt, as you said, is is not subject to copyright. But they also talk about how you can be a wizard in the school of evocation, and then they have like an evocation savant with a potent cantrip. Collectively, that's probably copyrightable, right? That is probably something that, like, if I wrote a novel called the school of evocation and i use <laughs> just a bunch of the stuff potent cantrip. no i see i've right. seen that it's, a, it's yeah. a and i just use a bunch of stuff from this document right almost certainly i have you know even if i'm if i'm pulling entirely from the srd my novel is now entirely reliant on the terms of that gaming license right like that at that point i've almost certainly trod on Something, even though I haven't copied word for word the system reference document, like there's enough there that you can cobble together that it it's no longer generic. It is now I'm using the stuff that Wizards made up and owns. 
You know, um, if 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 you ever wanted to just wholesale copy the system reference document, put a romance novel cover on it and sell it on Amazon, <laughs> like this is the week to do it. Maybe last week was the week to do it. Because <laughs> um, you might I, not think, stop, but the lawyers are busy. But I love it. But Ben, like <laughs> how much true. how much of that could you do could you solve just by changing the names of things slightly? Which people do. Right. So, like, I was going to use this example, which is like, because, like, again, you get lawyers involved and, and all of a sudden people start getting uncertain. So uh, the Adventure Zone podcast, you know, one of the biggest actual play D&D podcast, they started their thing with the Minds of Fandelver, which is a, like, licensed, not subject to the OGL, but still, like, a Wizards of the Coast property. And they have produced, like, comic graphic novels based on their campaign. And they went back and, like, find change certain names and places and ideas that originated with the wizard stuff. Probably they would have been okay at the end of the day, like probably fair use. Yeah, you're probably okay, but a lawyer is not going to like for a publishing company that's printing, you know, thousands or hundreds of thousands of copies of this book is not going to run that risk, right? They're going to say, no, you're going to change the name of the town right. to something that you made up so that we know where we stand. And I, I suspect there's probably at least some of the churn is about stuff like that, right? Where people have made these products, they have a homebrew campaign that they would love to sell as a story or whatever. And they don't want to learn all the intricacies of copyright law. And they don't want to ask a lawyer, do I have to change the name of stuff? Uh, I just want to do my thing and publish publish my stuff. Now I'm worried, um, which is I think we're a, again. I come back to certainty. I think a lot of people are just like, it's new, it's different, it's more restrictive. That means I don't know where I stand, and that is bad. Um, yeah. And then on top of the idea of even if they're not going to sue me, because you know we're, we're probably not going back to the you know giant company suing individual people for downloading a single song days of copyright enforcement. Uh, they're also afraid of getting their stuff stolen, right? I'm not stolen, but used, right? They're not stealing is at this point, wizards would then have the licensed, right? Um, if they do write a really, really good novel, right? They're the one in the million that writes the smash hit based on their homebrew campaign. They don't want wizards to come along and be like, great. That's now the plot of dungeons and dragons to the movie. Uh, starring Chris Pine, uh, we will not be paying you for your intellectual property. Please and thank you. That the School of Evocation is a Netflix series. It's called The Magicians, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's really it's about sexy graduate students, more or less. But also there's there's uh, there's magic there's magic in it. Um, well, the, the lawyer shot down the Harry Potter but college title, which was the original <laughs> title for magicians. Quentin <laughs> Coldwater is a lot of things, but School of Evocation, he is not. <laughs> um, the uh, There is actually precedent for this in the history of Dungeons and Dragons, which in its original form contained all of this Tolkien stuff. Right, True. which, which was right. many examples, yeah. yeah, which was taken out. Just the names changed, you know, <laughs> so uh, so as not to run afoul of the the uh, the estate of of J.R.R. Tolkien and the whoever controls the Amazon, I guess, who controls the you know the IP around the the Tolkien verse. But it was you know it was long before Amazon, though not before the Amazon, which believe it or not is a river. 
Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just I'm salivating now at the prospect of like what does this unique moment where everyone is super angry about the systems reference document and the open gaming license like what moment does this give us and I'm thinking like if you ever wanted to make an unauthorized Gilbert and Sullivan tabletop role playing game <laughs> I just think what's the most litigious most detail oriented persnickety annoying estate out there that will not let you change anything about their intellectual property oh, Gilbert uh, and Sullivan is up there right Robert Rogers uh, Rogers and Hammerstein hands okay, down okay Rogers so and like, Hammerstein like yeah we'll just go back I mean we should have totally made our sound of music 5e adventure module right and like <laughs> and we just changed the words to the do re mi song in the middle of it just to see if they uh if they bite uh we're gonna see who's gonna sue us first I was uh, I, I was involved in a in a uh in a professional production of Carousel, I mean, I was involved mm-hmm. not as an actor; I was involved as a like a, a PA, in, just rom- in, romantically involved. I was romantically uh, involved, and the per- the the managing director of the theater um, where we were working was like, man, like working with the Rodgers and Hammerstein organization is like working with Disney; like they are that uh, persnickety about about and that like up your butt about uses of their well, the, of their IP. The, the- the way to do this experimentally is you run an actual play D and D podcast with player characters, Mickey Mouse, a Rogers and Hammerstein character, <laughs> right, exactly. Iron Man, yeah. uh, Bat- oh, so you need Batman. Ma- you Maria, Maria Von Trapp, Batman. Yeah, and, you, and you see who sends you the cease and desist first, right? Like that is the experimental <laughs> yes, way of it's like, a race. who is going to, yeah. who is going to send you the cease and desist first out of uh, all these hyper litigious companies. Yeah. Peace. We, we don't call it a race anymore. We call it a character class. That's uh <laughs> It's an ancestry. It's a. I was going to say that controversy was like the precursor to this, where for like a month, if you had ever clicked a Dungeons and Dragons video on YouTube, you were getting served videos about Wizards of the Coast making this entirely unobjectionable nomenclature change uh, about race versus species. But because it was part of the culture wars, you got a million videos served to you about this one like super narrow issue. Right. Yeah. So really what, what has happened, <laughs> the, the development here is a, uh, is a, just a change in what Red Elixir YouTube comprises. <laughs> right? Like it's a, um, yeah, it, this is, uh, this has been a lot of fun. Uh, but I think it's, it's, I, I think our campaign, um, I think our campaign ends here. Uh, Are we going for a TPK? Do we not get to face the BBE? (laughs) (laughs) BBE, right? Or BBG? BBEG. BBEG. That's what it is. You've got big bad enemy bad. Oh, big enemy bad guy. Oh man, why do I not know what this is? I thought it was big bad evil guy. Big bad evil guy. Got it. Got it. Big bad evil guy. Yeah, I think it's yes. But in our uh, in our uh, Gilbert and Sullivan themed role playing game, uh, his name is the Modern Major General, and he's uh, you know he's he's yeah uh, just super officious. Mostly (laughs) is his his, uh, evil power. I would say I did name check my Dungeons and Dragons campaign. I know at least a couple of them listen to this. I love you guys so much, and I have so much fun with our adventures, and I can't wait to see what we do with the soul of Dan of the Lich, which we have encased in a sphere as it reconstitutes itself. Let Let me ask you that, guys. If you had the BBEG of your campaign's soul in a box, and you had four days before it got out of the box and wreaked havoc, what what would you do with it? Um, would you make it star in, in a production of Carousel? <laughs> would you uh, a Sound of Music? Would you um, 
Oh, it's not the BBG. I thought this was going to be an what was going to be like an Eminem parody. Like if you had one, four days, one, ch- one shot, one opportunity to temporarily inconvenience an immortal lich queen, would you take it? You split, lose, split? lose your IP and the license they own it. They stole it. They'll never let it go. No. <laughs> All right. Thanks very much, Ben, especially for joining us. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure to have you on the show always, and especially in an area of your particular expertise. Uh, bless you for uh, taking the time. We might have lost. Uh, we might have lost Ben to the <laughs> to the internet connection to the the Diana t- Trans Pacific <laughs> Trans Pacific um, internet uh, connection. But we're uh, very grateful to have him. Thanks everyone uh, for listening. Thanks Pete for podcasting uh, with me as as usual. We'll be back next week with more Overthinking It podcast. Till then, visit us on the web at overthinkingit.com. dot com. I, I mean, uh, you know, until Hasbro Wizards takes us down, says, <laughs> says they own our DMCA. This is the truth. The truth channel is coming through radio free overthinking. It is coming at you. from <laughs> Radio three free overthinking. It will be back next week to then visit <laughs> us on the web at overthinking it.com where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny. It probably, probably doesn't, doesn't deserve. I will say one thing about this is that if I never hear a Dungeons and Dragons rule used as a as a metaphor for something that somebody did again, it'll be too soon. <laughs> Such like, oh, man, they sure rolled a one. Oh, what a critical fumble. Oh, that was a critical hit. Looks like that party is getting a total wipe. And it's just like, oh, my goodness. Oh, man. It's <laughs> I mean, I know. I don't know. It's um. It's it's not it's not fun when you're doing it. It's fun when I get to do it. Yeah. That's the point. Yeah, Pete, you have an, a, a negative saving throw against uh, <laughs> cynicism. <laughs> that isn't real, and it still bothers me. <laughs> <laughs>